Hello and welcome to Dice Populi, not a regular Dice Populi, but one where we just kind of talk about Dice Populi. It's self-indulgent, but just recently uh, we wrapped up- You mean like this whole intro? Like this whole intro. (laughs) This is- the the rich fondue of my creation that I'm just going to sink my fingers in for about an hour. Um, that's how I think of indulgence, by the way. So we just recently wrapped up Locked and Loaded, which was an adventure uh, written and run by Pat Brem. Hi, Pat. Hello. Hello. I'm back. So we... Uh, we're putting we're gonna be putting pat in the forgot that chowder wasn't here when i officially started doing official stuff that's my bad hundo that's team. Fine. Keep, my going, bad. keep going keep going keep going Wait, I, i'm lost what we're doing the episode now i'm sorry oh, you okay. came back right when colin said hello pat and then i said it's hello, a secret and this then is you going said great hello. this is going great so uh, we actually also have a couple listeners in the chat. You won't be able to hear them, but as they message, uh, I am unfortunately obligated to be their puppet and say what they type into the chat. Uh, so you might get some on-the-fly questions uh, from those of us, uh, from those in the room, quote, with us. <laughs> now, we are going to be putting Pat on blast. That's the name of this episode, hashtag Pat on blast, uh, where we're going to be asked. <laughs> the, the Pat Blast. <laughs> I'm not the one talking about the Pat Blast. Yeah, Pat's getting blasted in Matt's loft, Ray. You got it. Oh, so, my God. Uh, I wish. So we're and spending... now we're demonetized. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to... Uh, can Patreon demonetize us for that? Probably. No. So, so we're going to... Well, that's what OnlyFans is for, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Patreon was doing it before. This is not going to become an OnlyFans podcast, uh, much to everyone's chagrin. So uh, we're actually going to just spend the next hour or so uh, talking to Pat about uh, how Locked and Loaded went. What was the adventure's inspiration, yada, yada, yada. We have a lot of questions uh, that we're going to dive into. About halfway through this episode, we're going to break from this conversation. And I'll give you guys an update on some more general podcast stuff that I'll be recording after all this. General podcast stuff? But for now, for those of us in the room, we're just going to talk about uh, Pat. Abby says most of the content on OnlyFans are feet picks anyway. Those are the real winners. Uh, this is Wait. true. I enjoy feet, but mostly in a utilitarian capacity. To... Oh, hero chat got yes. That was yeah. a weird sentence to say there, Colin. I sure. think he didn't even have to address the fact that you like feet. Uh, not a, uh, Again, utilitarian, not hedonistic, which is, interestingly enough, a subset of utilitarian philosophy. And ideology. So I'm digging myself. The more you know. Unfortunately, the more I say is the problem. I'm going to try to move on from the group conspiring to get my feet picks in order. And we're just going to start talking to Pat. So Pat, locked and loaded. Just before we get into any specifics, what are your impressions on how it went down? How do you feel about how your adventure went from chapter, I think, 37 to 48? Um, it was mostly how I anticipated it going. I didn't quite realize, obviously, that you guys would ask certain questions, hence why I didn't have (laughs) names for Burger Island and whatnot, because I didn't think that they were going to be pivotal to the story whatsoever. I thought you guys would just go in, get what you need, and get out, but, um, that's a lesson learned. Lesson learned, for sure. Uh, but overall, I thought it was pretty good. I thought I, uh tested your brains a little bit as well as your brawn which was fun i loved um, all of the puzzles that you threw at us i thought they were yeah. so fucking creative and yeah, yeah. I like puzzles like, they were good puzzle pat puzzle pat uh chowder this was your first adventure 
with us at the Dice Populi crew. Uh, how did this feel for you as a seasoned Dungeons and Dragons player and uh, dungeon master? How did you feel diving into Locked and Loaded with us? Uh, I mean, going in, I was a little nervous, you know, like, because, uh, like, I guess it was the first time, like, playing D&D where I'm, like, performing for people. and yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a, a different mindset you got to be in. Yeah. yeah, and and yeah, and you know I'm not confident in my ability to do a voice uh, or keep it going in, uh, on the fly. So honestly, yeah, I, same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we want to talk about confidence and keeping a voice going, let's talk about the Brooklyn accent that made a comeback. Because <laughs> Pat abandoned that shit real early, and then for some reason yep. chose a story premise that necessitated its return. It was less that I chose the story premise because that that necessitated it and more that like i couldn't think of a way to not do it in the story and it just kind of had to happen anyway yeah that's fair i was thinking of ways to uh retcon it out but as soon as i thought about it and how tony lyons also had the same accent i was like it's just a black tide thing that like everybody's got to do it yeah i know i make this remark a lot where like i i tend to know like the sketches or outlines of these adventures before we go in just so i can like tie everything together um Uh but there i think this might be the adventure that surprised me the most for reasons i'll get into later with some of my own questions um but tony lyons yeah hit me out of fucking nowhere and as soon as he showed up i'm like oh pat's committed to this accent that's actually kind of fantastic right right (laughs) that was because josh canonized reason that's fair hold on siri's talking to me go away siri you're bad because, uh, yeah, Josh Josh picked up on that in uh, Trouble in Paradise. Right. Uh, I, I was equally excited when Josh went, don't I know you? And I was like, oh, fuck yes, <laughs> fuck yes. Back him into a corner, Josh. That was great. And then yeah. he gave you the belt of cloud giant strength, and I didn't know who to trust anymore. We were, we were even at that point. Yeah, <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, initial impressions out of the way. Um, let's dive into some of these questions. So, Matt and Chowder, I've sent you the list as well. Uh, I mean, generally, we can just go sort of like top to bottom. But if you see one that you want to ask, feel free to jump in. Let's make this a roundtable. For those of you in the chat, if we say something that perks your ears up or I guess if you have more foot questions, just no like feet questions. Go, well, that actually does bring us to one question from the chat from someone I think you may know. Abby, Pat, do you sell feet pics? Send link. I do not sell feet pics. Uh, Abby did tell me that my feet are one of the least gross feet she has ever seen from a dude so that's cool okay take a lot of pride in that i'm glad you got that going for you yeah i uh okay (laughs) okay men feet are gross yes that's very fair uh jerry leveled her up as soon as she said that why why is this the dynamic okay okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna dive right in here because somebody has to steer this boat cough cough um (laughs) This question is from Corey. So, Pat, what were your favorite and least favorite moments from Locked and Loaded? Okay, uh, my least favorite moment by far was Ryan slurping souls out of his void staff or whatever it is. Yeah, that was absolutely hated that. Like, I did not realize I was literally making a homicidal sociopath out of him. Wait. Only then. Well, so Pat, I can see why that would be a problem because the, the, the void staff that you gave him, at one point during prep, you asked us what kind of magical items we would uh-huh. we would ask for, and then that ended up being Crinkle Snoot. How did that decision-making process shake out with you giving him the void staff? Okay, so this is the way I did it. I asked them all to submit a list of, I think, three or four magic items that 
could be anything up to a legendary item because Locke himself had a legendary item. I mm-hmm. thought it would only be fair if other people had access to it. That's that was a big fat idiot mistake. Yeah, that's one. Now, that's one way to balance a sandbox. Now everybody's just super powerful. Yeah. Um, and then what happened was when they got to Crinkle Snoot, they were supposed to look into his eyes with my riddle. Um, and then they would attune to one of the magic items in the room. And if they only took that one item, Crinkle Snoot would not attack them. Yeah, Chowder, but, how did that go for us? I mean, I knew what Pat, Pat was going at, but uh, you know, I had, I, had, I had to play the character, man. That just makes right. me angrier. And that's totally fair, because I didn't realize that's what your character's motivation it's was. It's not until my fault end. my character's an asshole. Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> But then, like, uh, it's not my fault. My character never watched Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) I love Jenna, but oh my god, she made me want to bang my head on the table so many times. Yeah, and people got mad at Bate for holding her to account. (laughs) Bate was super reasonable. Jenna was a little bit abrasive for sure. Um, so so that's how that came about. And then, um, when when we got to the end of the fight, and they were like, "Well, can we look around for more magical items?" I was like, "Well, shit, I have no reason to not have more magical items." here now yeah they just kept going yep no that's that's fair okay um honestly i i wish i gave jetta a bag of holding so i could just uh just yeah, shovel more gold good. coins in there yeah you did <laughs> you did trade away the cargo vest of holding though dude that was off the dome yeah. in the moment i was like hmm this guy would probably have something like this as a, a jailer or whatever nice. that wait that was not and prepared. then jetta stole it no that's so good. I improved that. I was like, Locke would want, would want this, so I put it in yeah. specifically <laughs> for Locke to have. And then Jenna took it. I was so mad. So that's your least favorite moment. I'm a rogue. I'm going to just the... take everything that's not glued down. And even yeah. the stuff that's glued down, I'm going to take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you run around with rogue solvent. Yeah. Um, so favorite moment by yeah. far was Kirtle Snoot Cove or Caverns. Mm-hmm. Um, having you guys... Just, like, be so fixated on the fact that you were looking for Black Tide stuff that you overlooked the fact that these guys might not be Black Tide in the first place. That's the, why we the were whole, sent there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> the the guy getting sacrificed, you guys not understanding what's going on there, you pretending to be the deity they were sacrificing him to was mind-boggling <laughs> to me. But then, like, watching you guys slowly figure out the puzzles, I'm sitting here, like, Jack Nicholson nodding in The Shining, like, yes! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was, that was very good. Uh, nice. was that, wasn't that the movie Anger Management that he was nodding in? Not the oh, shining. it might have been. It might have yeah. been. A, yeah, a lot of people. No, no, I'm just creepy. Up. I don't know. No, I the one with Jack Nicholson smile, no, okay? Uh, I mean, the one, the, the, he had the, the, a gray goatee in The Shining? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Um, I don't remember point is jack nicholson creepily smiling and nodding his head that's what i was doing (laughs) thank you matt that one all you chowder all right uh this one is from rye do you all have backup characters i do not have a backup character i would probably either take one of the pre-existing ones or trust i have the ability to make another character if jetta died uh correction from the audience that is going to be uh the name ray asked that question so now it's the chowder blast show ah fuck Um, me (laughs) <laughs> but uh no that's actually interesting yeah because you leaving the show without a backup character is certainly bold uh lock almost dying pat like 
if we remember uh, Trouble in Paradise, Josh, before he decided he was going to leave the show, he actually did have a backup character planned. Did you have that kind of foresight when you put Locke in Kiso's path? So I don't ever plan on my characters dying because they're just <laughs> the best. Okay. But, cool. <laughs> but at any given moment, I have three other characters that I've already thought up in my head that I could just make work for it. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> like right now I have a character based entirely on Jack Black's character from School of Rock. Oh my god. That I 100% would have used oh instead god. if I had died. Yeah, I mean Shattered. I have character I have character ideas like swimming around at all times, but like So Chatter, do we kill Locke so we can get Jack Pat Black? <laughs> Um, I, th- I think with the right number of uh, you guys can sneak fucking attacks, try. Could, with the right number of sneak attacks, I think we can do. It. Yikes! <laughs> Maybe. I know. Um, we'll see. Wasn't uh, there was a point where, and this is like I guess a little bit of a peek behind the scenes. Uh, Colin, you were basically uh, deciding whether uh, or not Bait or Florence was going to travel along with us, and we ended up going with Bait. So I guess Florence was your backup, so to speak, right? So. Florence was okay. So I didn't even have a character in the first place. Josh asked me if I wanted to do a PC and I was like, uh, I'll do bait because I have ideas for that character. Um, Florence, I also had other ideas for the cat. And when Josh turned the cat into Florence, I was like, I can't have ideas anymore. It's just not going to pan out. Um, so Florence essentially going into a second chance. I knew that you guys did not like bait. bait. So I didn't want to like make a choice that would force like my story agenda over things. Like it's not my adventure. I don't want to do that. I was trying to, in the above board, give you guys the choice of whether to play with bait or Florence. Um, but you guys just kind of chose bait like by happenstance. That's how it went. So I mm-hmm. wanted to play bait more than Florence. Uh, but that said, because I'm headmastering this whole thing, I have a few backup characters if bait winds up out of the picture. But hey, if that tree didn't kill him, and that did go by the numbers, if that tree didn't kill him, I don't know what will. So so we'll see. Oh, um, yeah, I, I thought he actually did die, and like you just no. had... Uh, oh, okay. Josh, Josh assumed he was going to die, and then I said, can you roll the dice? And he did, and bait lived. Um, so that's fun. Lucky you. But, uh, yeah, lucky me. But... Um, yeah, so Pat Ray does say that as much as she loves Locke, she does want to see Pat Black. In I mean, the, I could bring Pat Black around for a future project. You know, it doesn't. We'll see. That's fair. Yeah. So, Last I heard, uh, wasn't mm-hmm. Jack Black? He's doing something down in Florida, right? I have no idea. Well, we're not gonna okay. we're not gonna get Jack Black, so I don't want to see the the point of that question. <laughs> True. You don't know. I think man. Jack Black appears in like the weirdest places, man. Like. I wouldn't be surprised if just Jack Black walked into my house and it's like, oh, Jack Yeah, Black. him and fucking uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. So Jack Black's go- having a good time on TikTok right now, I'll tell you that. I know um, as far as uh, Maeve goes, I would be very, very sad if she died, but I'm yeah. kind of in the same boat as Pat where I could – I have a whole bunch of different character ideas just bouncing around in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one may or may not be the bread man. That would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh but, my god. You know, if you kill if you kill Maeve, then you'll just kill like a little bit of my soul. So yep. you know, no big deal. Honestly, if Locke had died, I probably would have taken over Tony Lyons and played him. That does make sense. Uh Corey seems enthusiastic about the idea of permanent bread man. But actually that does lead <laughs> us to another Corey question. Um and I'm gonna have some follow ups on this that might even surprise you, Pat. How different did the arc go 
versus what you had planned. So it pretty much followed exactly what I had written out. Um, I expected you to dig around the the caverns a little bit more, um, but not. You didn't miss any big things ever. Uh, I also didn't expect you to murder all of the pirates or the Black Tide dudes. Um, I anticipated it being not just a Kizo versus you guys fight. I thought it would be Kizo plus a couple dudes, um, which looking back at it, it's probably good that you guys only fought Kizo alone because he almost killed two of you. Yeah, no, that got that fight got, uh, got pretty spicy. Uh, In everyone else's yeah. defense... I did literally nothing that fight. Yeah, no, that's fair. We were down someone who was just like, I'm going to go ride a Be boat. Be useless. Yeah. In terms of, like, when I first wrote the, the the campaign out, I had a lot of ideas that I ended yeah. up cutting because, so, like, they did not Yeah, so that's actually kind of what I wanted to ask you about because I have notes from about a year and a half ago, the first time we discussed your campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the first few, here's the first few bullet points. Um Cursed treasure causes endless dancing. Uh-huh. Skeleton ghosts get the gold back, <laughs> free these people's souls. The gold was stolen was, by the Black Tide. So what that how was did going we to get... be what Crinkle Snoot Caverns was. <laughs> okay. There was going to be an entire thing where in order to figure out where the Black Tide hideout was, you were gonna have to help these ghosts. And it was gonna be like a a, a Pirates of the Caribbean situation where the ghosts were part of a group that had stolen this cursed treasure and you need to go find the treasure and return it in order to set their spirits free however Mm -hmm. instead of being ghost pirates they were just trapped endlessly dancing in the afterlife as part of like a quinceanera um but i thought i thought it was gonna be (laughs) a little bit too that was gonna be a little bit too derivative, obviously, of Pirates of the Caribbean. So I was like, mm, let's probably not do that. I also had a plan to include skateboards in the Black Tide hideout. Uh, okay, sick. I didn't so, know this one. So the plan was instead of those pipes along the wall to signal things like with sound, those pipes were gonna be for traveling between the areas super quickly by oh. grinding on them. My God, with skateboards. <laughs> Sonic, Sonic Adventure game. Wait, right, so, exactly. Okay, wait, so Pat, what led you to not do that? Because I was like, there's no fucking way all of these pirates can skateboard well enough to grind on these pipes and go from end to end on this island. It could be an entry requirement. And so, I'm just sitting here like... Then the pirates would all just be more competent, in the, competent than what we had right. in the actual campaign. And then, and then I had ideas about like a sort of security system or like... Uh, cctv but with sound that i, I was like, love right, that idea a lot let's switch over to this instead yeah definitely. Uh, and i'll save skateboards for something else but we'll see well something i uh expected but went differently uh so like with all the other previous uh adventures it's always like our our group ends up on an island and uh does stuff on that island so i'm like thinking mm-hmm. okay make a character who can do stuff on an <laughs> island and uh i should be good uh and then it's like Oh, we're gonna be doing a lot of sailing stuff and doing stuff on boats, and I'm and I'm looking at my character. She can do on a boat. I got <laughs> nothing for boats. So uh, Ray is actually asking a follow up to this. Um, and Pat, I I have a follow up question to this follow up that I think might even answer it. How much micromanaging does Colin do? He's mentioned these notes multiple times. I have alluded to them before. Uh, but I've never discussed them. So, Pat, mm-hmm. uh, after that initial discussion and a couple follow-ups, how involved was I in the planning of this particular adventure? 
the you are very hands off in the individual adventures themselves. <clears throat> you push for us to have um, sort of linking moments or thoughts or motivations that will lead from one to the other. Um, but in terms of like what I wanted to do, I just told you what I wanted to do. And the most you would ever do is ask me like why something would happen. So I come up with a reason for it to happen. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. did a lot of the same thing when I was doing uh, mine as well. So just like a lot, pretty much the entire adventure, you know, I can basically do whatever right. the hell I want, but leave some strings that can be pulled uh, to help right. pull the adventures together a bit. Right. Yeah. Like you gave yeah, me some notes about things you wanted me to put in it if I could, but that was about it. Yeah. That's been my experience with the upcoming adventure. Yeah. Ooh. I'd, I'd, I'd uh, talk to Khan about something and he'd uh, ask me to expand on it. So that, which is, Good for me. Right. It lets me like kind of flesh out a half-baked idea that's been sitting in my head. But also, and and mostly he just asked for connective tissue, which yeah, yeah which is something I <laughs> so I, did call to. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucked up. Uh, so Yikes. there is one other story thread from your initial pitch, and this was something that I was engaged with at the moment, and I didn't know you weren't doing it until we recorded the episode where we rescued Locke which was we discussed the idea that Locke would be running the Black Tide and mm -hmm. then would betray the Black Tide, but we wouldn't know that. Like, we would think Locke is a traitor. I had no right. idea what you were doing with that until you said Locke is in a jail cell, and I was like, okay, here we go. Uh, so what made you want to move away from that idea to this rescue story, this Loxel so, in distress? I had no uh, <laughs> logical transition from how he would have been captured to how mm -hmm. he would have been leading the Black Tide. And I don't think that Locke is the kind of shifty, able to lie or like deceive his way through. He's very much a, 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 a brawn before brains kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and then when I thought about what I wanted the the big bad evil guy to be, I was like, well, it would be kind of cool if it's Locke Locke's could like evil twin brother. Key. Right. If he could. If he could. Uh, oh wait, oh is that why I didn't Kizo? even. I did not plan on that, but that's a great, great uh, thing that you you. Was Kiso? Was that now. just based on Jared Kiso from Letterkenny? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah exactly. I thought so. um, yeah. Okay. So I'm really bad with the name, so I just draw them from other things that I'm watching or reading or doing. Yeah. Um, or so our, our or our uh, listener submitted our list. Uh, yeah, I did use a lot of those. Yeah. Um, I believe. So he. the 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 issue with that was I, I was thinking who could the, the big bad evil guy be uh, and have it be something meaningful for Locke's story because after not being involved in the story for however many episodes, I was like. Let's do a little bit of closure or something. Yeah. So having him face off against Kizo, I thought was pretty good. And if Kizo's there, there's definitely no way that Locke takes over the Black Tide unless he somehow like killed him before you guys got there. So I was like, fuck it. We're just going to throw him in the jail cell. You guys are going to bust him out. It's going to be like a, a point break situation. Yeah, that's so fair. One last question from Corey on this sort of broad structural stuff. Uh, would you, would any of you change anything you did in the arc now that it's over? Pat, is there stuff that you would have done differently, do you think? I would have fleshed out a lot more of the side stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely would have made the Cult of Crinkle Snoot a little bit more uh, involved. Probably would have cut down on the fact that you guys had to travel to Crinkle Snoot and then back to Burger Island after mm -hmm. the fact. Um, and then just had you guys like have the map immediately or something. But Yeah, that's fair. 
Uh, Chowder or uh, Matt, do you guys have things you would have done differently? Uh, I think Jetta would have left a little bit later. Like she still, uh, she still would have left before my adventure started. Yeah. But uh, there, there's an upcoming uh, five five W. No, no. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's it. Okay. Well, uh, oh, this is a 5W. Sorry, the above board. Uh, above board. There we go. Uh, there's an upcoming <laughs> above board where it's producers. like, oh, uh, she probably could have stuck around a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. And honestly, I'm trying to think of the decisions that Maeve made. I think, uh, honestly, I had a lot of fun portraying like the more angsty yeah. side of her. That's um, what I was about to which... say. Yeah, Maeve was much more of like a driving force here, even though that she didn't make as many big, big choices. Yeah, I was inspired by uh, how my sister was uh, very uh, annoying growing up. And so uh, that's a little yeah. bit of homage to her. And yeah. even, I, 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 if I, here's the thing. If like, yeah. if I ask her today, she's like, oh yeah, I was, uh, I was annoying. And Which I still sister am. sister are we talking and about? Let's not do that. Lizzie. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> no, actually, now that I think about it, I probably would have uh, brought up uh, Jetto's uh, backstory a little earlier. Yeah. I honestly really like the way that you threaded it through there because, like, you set up the motif of Jetta just randomly going down the hole of a story and everyone around is just like, cool, let's keep going. So it was kind of nice that at the end, I really liked like telling Maeve the story because it felt like the character, even though you didn't have a lot of time to establish it. Uh, but it subverted it by not being a random, like, haha, I'm cool story. It was like, Hey, this is just how I live my life. And, uh, for me, it worked. It worked very well yeah. for me, like as a listener. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, Pat, mm-hmm. what are mm-hmm. your feelings on burger Island merchandise? And to the other cast members, why aren't we selling Burger Island merchandise? Because I'm the only one who draws the stuff and I don't want to draw a burger just yet. I'm already drawing bread. You can do a blue and onion instead. That's true. Give, like, give me, give me some time, all right? I'm like getting rid of some rust from my drawing, and it's like I'm very insecure about my art. Oh, yeah. But I, I want Put a to blooming contrib- onion on a cheeseburger. I, I want to contribute more to the art of this show. Do you think we could get away with just finding clip art of burgers and islands and selling that, or is that terrible? There is stock photos, so like I don't know, that's man. True. Uh, Ray's suggestion in the chat of I went to Burger Island and all I got with this lousy T-shirt uh, is pretty good. Uh, if you couple that with the, I think, with the image of the tavern on fire and exploded. That would be pretty good, actually. Wait, yeah. with a bear. It has to have a bear. <laughs> with a giant bear silhouette against the explosion. <laughs> That's so good. Um, n- another question. Uh, Pat, how did you decide the outcome of Locke's family? So that was something um, that I also sort of improved at the end there. Um, I, Pat, had no intention of Locke's family ever getting brought up again. However, I thought that in order to actually, like once I got on this closure for Locke mindset, I was like, hmm, we're going to throw Kizo in here. Obviously, Kizo is going to try to taunt him with the thought of his family. Yeah. Because he was so pivotal in ripping them away from Locke that I had to come up with something that I thought wasn't going to be too... Um, too happy nor too sad like i didn't want Locke's well, definitely family. wasn't happy yeah for sure i for, based on what Locke did there is no discernible way that his family would br- take him back and like things would be hunky-dory so i was like all right they have to be still unobtainable for Locke, but not necessarily dead and then based on your roles it was easy for me to kind of weave in that like 
Kizo is going to try to make it seem like they're dead. But if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll find that all the Black Tide did was wipe their memory and they don't remember them. Or they don't remember Locke at all. Like, they, they don't think that their the dad was ever in the picture. That's fucked up. I mean, that's great for, like, drama for Locke, but... Right, yeah. so even if Locke did end up finding them, they'd be like, who the hell are you? Like, get out of here. So that's a, and you, that's a, that's a thing we have yet to reckon with in terms of how Locke feels about that. So right. that'll, be, that'll be fun to follow up on later. Yeah. It's a little weird to go from an episode that's just, you know, me talking to people and then just go to me talking to myself. Like, usually there's at least some sound or some music. Hmm. Uh, here, I got an idea. Liberty music. Under me. Music for that boat. It's made more work for myself right just now. Fun decision. Uh, hello, and welcome to the breakaway of our fifth Wednesday bonus episode. Now, I hope you're enjoying this conversation. We'll be getting back to it in just a couple of minutes. This breakaway is going to serve to do some more broad housekeeping work. Uh, for the podcast and and stuff at large, uh, because with every fifth Wednesday, we not only try to give you a little bonus something something, but we also say goodbye to the previous season. And in, in this case, let's uh, wave a big a big bye bye to season of the Pirates, uh, aptly named given how this uh, this story just ended and what we're talking about today. Uh, but let's talk about what the last three months uh, meant in terms of like the numbers and stuff. So uh, we had a goal to reach 50 patrons did not hit that to be fair that's big part my fault because one that's ambitious two kind of forgot all the incentives i was gonna have to sign up for the patreon are kind of happening after today so we're just gonna push that goal forward to the next season as well so i'll talk about that in a second so oops on that that's my b uh I do want to talk about the seasonal charity donations. Every season, we pledge to give around 20% of our revenue uh, from Patreon to a charity. And uh, over the last three months, we were able to set aside $52. That is going to go to the uh, AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islanders Journalist Therapy Relief Fund. Uh, that is going to go to support um, uh, AAPI uh, journalists that have to deal with the crazy, awful, terrible things we've been seeing lately uh, and make sure that they're getting the resources they need to to stay healthy. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, the money didn't just go to me drawing a terrible animation for our patrons, but is also going to help some people who are doing maybe a lot more good in the world than we are. Now, each season we also have a winner from our Discord, meaning we use the Uge bot, who's been kind of sleeping on the job a bit lately, uh, to try to see who comes out on top in terms of, you know, sending the most memes, talking the most about how hot it is, because it's really hot. Whatever the situation is, our winner this season is Corey Fouch. So big thank you to Corey, big congratulations on, uh, on stealing this one, one by uh, kind of a long shot with your engagement in our Discord server, and uh, you shall be rewarded. Uh, last season, Ray also won by a mile uh, and got a free copy of Candlekeep Mysteries, something we are more than happy to repeat for you, Corey. If you already have it, then uh, uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it, but hey, any of you out there, if, you, if you're thinking, well, I want a free copy of Candlekeep Mysteries or something of equivalent value from the Wizards to the Coast store, hey, that's why you can join our Discord. You got a chance to really nail it home and get yourself something swaggy like this. There are going to be more details on uh, the goal the, and uh, how we're using the funds uh, from our Patreon and other income sources uh, on DicePopuli.com in our news post. And if you go to the news link, you'll see that this post is titled 
season of the loaf. That's right, we say goodbye to the pirates and hello to bread. Bread is, is near and dear to the hearts of many of us in this community, so we are trying to uh, re reflect that notion with a new piece of what is currently intended to be limited run merchandise. Uh, at DicePopuli.com's store, you will find a new design of bread that uh, I worked on for a while and, and, and workshopped with the folks here in the podcast. I think it's a very fun little tribute to the bread man on Arianor that, uh, that baked his way into all of our hearts. You can get that on shirts, pillows, stickers, whatever. Uh, that is um, now available for purchase and is planned to be available for the next three months. Uh, we'll see what the response to it is, but I think it's a really fun design. I'm probably gonna pick up one or two things with this on it. And that is going to be sort of the thematic foundation as we bake our way through this horrible, terrible, hot summer of death. Um, other details that are coming up, and you can find all, the, all this in the news post, we'll be giving 20% of our Patreon revenue this time to the Bungie Foundation. Yes, they make video games, but they also have a history of philanthropy with the Bungie Foundation taking donations to give to disaster relief and other important timely causes. Uh, right now, it seems as though they are uh, most uh, supporting kids in hospital, making sure that they have iPads, means of entertainment and interaction in what is otherwise a very difficult situation. And that is where our charity efforts are going in season of The Loaf. Our community goal is once again going to be reach 50 patrons. Uh, pretty lofty. We might roll this forward through the next season too, depending on if I do my job right this time. Uh, but if we hit 50 total patrons, and that's at any dollar amount, uh, we are going to release the next soundtrack uh, for uh, Volume 4, A Second Chance. So the music from Matt's Adventure, which I'm really proud of the music for that one. That was uh, a lot more intentional than some of the stuff that came out of Pat's. It's just, I anyway, we'll do an episode where I talk about music. I love it. I hope you'll love it too. Uh, 50 patrons, let's do it. Uh, we'll also be adding that bread design as an emoji to the Discord server. I know we already have... A bread emoji that people like. I'm not trying to start any bread wars, but I'm trying to start some bread wars. Uh, there's also going to be a release roadmap for the next month in this post talking about when you can expect the next episode of Entrenched, when the Entrenched episodes are making their way into the main feed for those that aren't patrons, uh, as well as some bonus content and our next uh, Dicey Waters episode, which I'll be talking a little bit about at the end of this as well. That's kind of it. Uh, that's the big thing. The big merch item is kind of our, our huzzah, the thing that I'm really most excited about right now. Otherwise, we're just going to keep on trucking through another fantastic season with another winner. Congrats to Corey. Uh, this season will run from July 1st until September 29th when we will do this all over again. I didn't mean for that to sound fatalistic. I'm actually pretty excited about it. Uh, we're also hitting our two-year anniversary this season. We should, we should do something for that. Uh, and Liberty Music, now. Well, thank you. Uh, and get ready to slice off some of that loaf. Matt or Chowder, do any other questions in this list jump out at you? Um, I do yeah. want to eventually address the Gabagool one, but we can do that later. We'll, do, well, I, I was, we'll save stuff like that. That's yeah, what I, well, that's what I was gonna do. I was, I was. Uh, so Kale asked, "Is Gabagool really Capicolo in your world?" So okay, well, uh, for, first thing we need to answer is what is Capicolo? Like I, I used to work at a deli, which I, and I would cut Capicolo, but like what exactly Capicolo was, I actually don't know. I can pull up the specific thing for you, but it's essentially like a pork-based deli meat um mm -hmm. it's dry cured gotcha yeah, yeah. You, it's it's funny like i handle capicolo i cut it but like 
I never really knew what it was. So it's it's very similar to like a um, a prosciutto or something, but it's a little bit more of a different cut. It's dry cured, sliced really thin, super fatty, sometimes spicy, depending on uh, what they put in it or what they cure it with. But there's a I looked this up specifically because I was like, I wonder what why it actually evolved into gabagool. So the Italian language as we know it today didn't really exist until 1860-ish because back then um, there were five kingdoms that made up the greater Italian area. And each one of them spoke derivatives of Romance languages, but with their own twist, because the southern part was very close to northern Africa. They had a lot of, like, uh, influences from Arabic. The upper part was very close to France. They had a lot of French influences. Um, The boot was heavily influenced by Greece. So they all kind of spoke a similar language, but not the same one. Then, when they finally unified into this one country... They decided that one of the languages was going to be the language everybody spoke. So they all had to learn one specific dialect of Italian that all these people had different uh, accents and inflections that they would put onto it. So then during um, the I'm learning World so War much here. One I, I, era, I'm loving this. I love this type of histories. Yeah. yeah. Like like the mutation of languages. Uh, right. It's got all the works, man. Love it. So specifically in the southern part of Italy, <laughs> there was there was a lot of uh, hard vocalized consonants like guz and buzz and things like that. So that's why you get C's like a K turning to a G and P's like a P turning into a B. Oh, and then so most it is of, like a corruption of Capicolo. It is exactly Capicolo, but... They change those consonants, and then there is um, a thing that people do. You know how Mario says, it's a me, Mario? Yes. Because it's not intuitive for Italian voices to say consonant after consonant, Uh. they will a lot of times add vowels or remove them depending on what they are saying after that to sort of like create the the cadence that we're used right. to in yeah. Italian language. There, there's a lot of african languages like that too where it's like right yeah uh, and there's the a southern specific part name for was it, I influenced forget, by africa a lot uh and then the fact that new york and brooklyn and all these northeastern parts have a very similar accent to that is because the primary or the, 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 the primary port of entry was Ellis Island for all these Italian immigrants coming over, and most of them were leaving from the southern part of Italy because they were the ones who, quote-unquote, lost that civil war that re- resulted in this unification of Italy. So that's why Brooklyn accents are very similar to, like, the Gabagool and the forget about it, like, that kind of thing comes from the southern Italians. So... This whole evolution of the Italian language led to Gabagool being Gabagool. So and now it was popularized have... because of The Sopranos. Uh, and then because The Sopranos happened, then The Office parodied it and had uh, Michael Scott like overemphasize the accent. And then because <laughs> The Office did it, everybody now knows it. So now we have to figure out the problem of how do we take that very informed and in-depth explanation for our world and come up with a fiction to support that in Dicey Waters. So, Well, d- the fiction is that they're all Brooklynites that are in the Badlands. There you go. Every every Black Tide member is from Brooklyn. It's, from it's Brooklyn. magic. It's from Brooklyn after the Look, I'm going with the Tolkien explanation of 
This is just a... This is uh, a translation. Translation. This is yeah. a translation for the benefit of the people yeah. listening in Precisely. from the fourth wall. Yeah. So uh, that does that does still leave the basic question. Is the Gabagool that we're experiencing in the story actually Capicolo meat? Or is it, it is. some other... Okay. So they it just have... The, okay. I guess we did establish cured meats as an industry back in Blessings right. Eve. So yeah. I mean, we established totally cured fine. meats... We know pigs exist in this world, so... Ray does suggest that maybe somehow a Sopranos DVD got through the dimensions, but that does beg the question, how did they play it? So I guess we'll answer that in a future episode. Um, oh, boy. So moving on to some other questions. Uh, Matt earlier uh, praised you for your puzzles, uh, and Ryan did it in the episodes. Hey, Pat, what do, what'd you think of those puzzles? Where'd you get those puzzles from? I get the puzzle ideas from a lot of places. So um, I think I said it in the moment that the the first puzzle where you have to open the wall to get in, uh-huh. that was from Teen Wolf. I was watching an episode of Teen Wolf. <laughs> yep. I was like, huh, yep. <laughs> that riddle is super cool. I want to find a way to use it. Then once I got on that, I was like, well, let's just like come up with some other puzzles. So the... Um, the one that I do wish I changed a little bit was was the the jar. Um, when is a door not a door? It's a jar. When it's a jar. I wish that I had done what Ryan said and like have a hole in the wall that they have to put the jar into and that opens it rather than yeah. it just being a, a random thing that's magical. Because if you just happen to pick up the jar, then the door would have opened anyway without you actually solving the riddle. Accidental uh, Indiana Jones. Exactly. So... I get them from a lot of ways, like uh, the the last one in the jail that was ripped 100% from a mechanic in a Destiny yeah, raid. That was I, as soon as you said you see glowing yellow with the glasses, I'm like, bitch, you know yep. I run Scanner and yep. Deepstone Crypt, you asshole. <laughs> so yeah, it's, they come from a lot of places, and then I just adapt them to be useful in the um, in the story. So. It's, it's a good time. It doesn't take a lot of effort on my part because I'm working with a source puzzle or riddle. And then all I have to do is figure out like what I want the result of that to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it makes it pretty easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. So uh, let me see. What was another question? Oh, so, I, I, I got one. Uh, yeah. All right. So, you go. You go. Uh, Jocelyn Barkenhagen asked. That's actually. That that's is, her uh, brother. That is JP Bark. Oh, wait. That that's is, her brother? Uh, that is. Yeah, that is JP. That is Jocelyn's brother. I'll oh. have to figure out whether or not they want me to say that explicitly. But yes, yeah, that is JP. Huh, okay, okay. Uh, he asked, how close was Jetta to being murdered at the end when trying to make take the blueprints to the Tide Pod? Well, Ryan's wa- not here to answer that yeah. question, but I imagine fr- uh, fl- flirting with death there. <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear, Pat, I really want to hear your take on this, because I have some context I want to add, too, but I'm really curious what your what your take on this kitty confrontation was. You want my take first? Yeah. Okay. Um, I wasn't quite sure where it was going to go. Like, I thought the fact that Maeve could make a Tide Pod would have been good enough for Cult to just, like, let it go. But he was very fixated on the fact that we shouldn't be giving those plans away. And he seemed ready to fight to the death. I get that for sure. But at the same time, like, Colt would have gotten his ass kicked. Like, he can't really fight all that well. I don't know what his powers are with the Void Staff to to be able to defend himself. The but Soul one Slushy, sneak attack, as Corey called it. One sneak attack would have fucking killed him. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, so, I thought he was being unreasonable, and I would not have faulted him for attacking Jetta, but I thought it was all for nothing. So, so context, Pat, l- let me... Go ahead, Matt. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so l- let me ask you this. Just as, like, a question regarding your DMing style in general, how do you handle inter-character conversations? 
conflict like that? Do you just kind of let them duke it out? Or is there a point where you step in and say, okay, this is getting a little out of hand. Let me try to, you know, skew this in a direction where all parties are happy in a sense. So I'll usually like, I'll let it start out as an argument, see if they can come to terms with it before it gets to violence. I'll have them maybe roll some, um, some checks like intimidation or something to see if one will back down from the other for other reasons. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's my job to stop them from fighting if they really boil over to the point that they're going to fight. So, I kind of, I mean, I kind I mean, of agree with yeah, that, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, it's like I, I, I'm a accept accept the consequences of my action type of guy. You know, if like what Jetta did got her killed, it'd be like that. You know. Yeah. So the context <laughs> I actually want to add, and I, I had a lot of. It was actually very difficult for me, even though I wasn't involved, because uh, Chowder, as we were planning for his adventure, and I was trying to sort out how I was going to handle the next above board. Uh, he told me probably like 20 minutes before we started recording the finale that uh, Jetta was probably going to dip in this episode. I didn't know for sure, but uh, he just need, I, I had to be prepared for it. So when I saw Jetta trying to take the plans and I saw Ryan trying to like just like turn her into a cat and bring her on the ship, outside the game, I was like, Ryan is just assuming Chowder is coming with us and is just trying to move us towards a, a tidy conclusion. I don't know if that's what he was thinking, but that was my read on it. And then I was like, <laughs> shit. What, (laughs) how can I reinforce the decision I know Chowder needs to make for character and production reasons, but also have it be in character? And I think Bait, after waffling around about his ethics and morals there, like, I think it made sense for him to say, like, no, this is, you have not given them a chance to consent. I think that was, like, him finally picking a side after, like, really bitching and whining the whole time. He finally had something to stand up for. (laughs) But I was really worried about, like, oh, shit, there are this is this is where me keeping the secrets can create problems and uh i'm really glad it worked out the way it did but i was just like they're both trying to do the right thing for the story but they just don't know what the production requires yeah so i mean like as somebody who didn't know any of that context yeah um, pat also didn't know it by the way yeah Yeah. i mean i thought i thought it played out very fluidly like it 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 seemed like you like uh bait finally uh (laughs) Like you said, he had something to say. Like he actually um, took a bit of a stand on something instead of being uh, the literal definition of a flake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean that it's it's what he is. Like I. Yeah. No. Nothing, for, nothing for sure. That's you. It's no. It, th- that is absolutely what it is. He's clearly got mixed morals uh, at play, and that I'm. It did work out as an opportunity for Bait to like make a decision, especially after that chat with Locke, with Locke calling him out on whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that accidentally provided me a character growth opportunity. Uh, Ray also says uh, she thinks we played it well. So that's kind of nice. Thank you. Yay. Also, a uh, quick note. Uh, it, it's a good thing that uh, Locke, like, uh, op- offered the blueprints in exchange for uh, yeah, my guess. Yeah, on a while. No, no, no. Because I, will, I was planning, because it feels in character for her to just pickpocket yeah. uh, Kalt's... Uh, entire bag of holding yeah <laughs> she's skilled enough to like just do that without people noticing and then uh, uh by the time he notices i'm gone yeah <laughs> so uh here's a question that uh from our good friend kyle wagner toddy and you guys might know more about this than i am th- than i am than i do uh, a ton of D material has come out since the start of the dicey waters campaign uh 
would you change any NPCs or PCs or classes with the new materials? Now, some of y'all are more into D&D than I am. Do you guys know what some of this context is, what some of this new stuff is that I might be missing out on? So the biggest thing I think that dropped was Tasha's. Um, mm -hmm. Tasha's Cauldron to Everything, which was basically um, it opened up a lot. It offered a whole bunch of new different classes. Um, I can't remember if it had any different races in it or not, but it also had the option to add more character, um, like just different character building options, more feats, stuff like that. Uh, I think personally, I'm kind of locked in as the wild magic sorceress. Yeah. But because uh, I, I, I can't change that. Yeah. But I would totally consider using uh, something uh, from. Uh, from one of the newer source books. Yeah. Wait, the but I'm having fun. The Warforged were they already? It was the Artificers that were added, right? Artificers since we started. I think Artificers already existed in like one of the Eberron books, but then it wasn't actually like really official. And then it was yeah. included in Tasha's anyways. I gotcha. could have that mixed up, but I know um, that coming back to some of the questions yeah, of backup a, characters, I know Ryan recent, uh, Ryan wants rogue. to play an Artificer at some point. <laughs> I, yeah, no, Artificer. I bet he would love that. Uh, there was a recent uh, Rogue sub. If I if I if I like knew the what the future themes of this of Dicey Waters is going to be. And I might have gone with that subclass. Oh, this just all fits together. Uh, it's like a Which rogue class? subclass uh, ha having to do with like time uh, and uh, and like, or maybe it's like an unofficial. Yeah, well, I mean, I, even I don't know what's coming. I know the gist of your adventure chatter, but even I don't know what's beyond that. Uh, uh, Josh and Florence really taught me to just like, <laughs> Have yeah, some big ideas and just roll with it after that. So I mean, right. I you made you definitely didn't hurt yourself by choosing uh, what you did. Were you an? Are yeah. you is was Jedi an arcane trickster? Yeah, arcane trick. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I've played one of those before. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so a couple more, a couple more questions. Uh, hey Pat, how do you think this experience of locked and loaded? changed Locke's character so like i said i thought the ending gave him a lot of closure um kind of i don't want to say allows him to move on from his family because obviously like he's still going to miss them and uh feel very connected to them but i think he can rest a little bit easier knowing that they don't remember him as being a bad guy yeah they just don't remember him at all now and he's he's happier that they forgot him rather than they see him as this monster mm -hmm. yeah um, so I think he's a little bit more relieved now. He's definitely more relieved that Kizo's dead. Um, he's just he's ready to to see what the world has in store for for the new uh, and improved Locke. So something about Locke I've noticed from the very beginning is that despite being like a very DPS capable, very tough very intimidating dragonborn Locke is super reserved almost to both bait and colin an infuriating point at times where it's like it's it's like playing destiny with our friend ryan not ryan on the podcast where it's like hey what do you want to do he's like, i don't know man whatever you want to do <laughs> and, and, and i'm wondering the, the fatherly intuition or like instincts or whatever i just but, like yeah i modeled him sort of after my own dad and my dad is super passive like every single time i would ask him like if i could go do something he'd just go ask your mother i don't care <laughs> and like yeah. but he's he's definitely got like a fiery side when he needs to and i thought that was like how i wanted to play yeah. this it was it was something that like unless it's a really really important decision 
He's going to let the group decide what to do, and then he's just going to go along for the ride and help however he can. Which is why I think some of your choices in the finale stood out to me, particularly the not just the fight against Kiso, but like with Jeddah in the map, like actively intervening in a group conflict and choosing direction. Like, Bait cries for it, Maeve actually does it, and now Locke is doing it too. And it's just, that, yeah. that really stood out to me. Yeah. I thought it was, again, I had a selfish reason for intervening because I wanted the dad vest. But <laughs> it's, it, was, it was something that I thought he was just ready to move on. He wanted to intervene in the conflict because he doesn't want to see Colt get his ass kicked. He thought that was a losable battle for Colt, for sure. Um, and he, he, just, he wanted to, to make it happen however fairly he could. So give Jetta something that would be valuable in her pursuit to buy back the, the freedom for her, her, uh, her peoples but also allow us to move on um, prepared for our own adventure, which we'll see how that ends up going. Yeah. Yep. I feel like no matter what we do, we're never prepared for no. what someone's going to throw at us. No, oh, not uh, at all. And I like but that. that's, that's oh. the best part about the yeah. game, though. Yeah, no, that's the fun part about D&D. You get, or, or any tabletop game, there's this sort of uh, unexpected thing because it's all improvised. Uh, yep. Also, uh, I know we're kind of past this part, but like the rogue subclass I was thinking of was uh, revived, which is like a unearthed arcana thing. Hmm, very fun. Interesting. So, um, Pat, this next question uh, came from Zed Ployd. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about having to roll for the history checks at the beginning again? I absolutely hate it. It is my least favorite part of our recording sessions. I don't like talking. So Wow, way to be on a podcast. <laughs> I know. I mean, I like playing D&D enough that I will overcome the fact that I don't like to talk. But when it's just me trying to remember everything, I don't have a very good memory either. It's like it's hard for me to keep everything straight. And I just I don't like doing it. So I try very hard before every session. I am a, a big believer in the luck of the dice. I roll every single d20 that I have, and then I, like, eliminate the low-rolling ones, and I only keep the high-rolling ones. And mm -hmm. then I go and do all my checks and everything. So the uh, I, I take it very seriously in that I don't like doing it, and I don't want to oh, ever man. do it again. Zbashu's done a couple of, like, videos where where it's just, like, him sharing, like, dishes about dice. Yeah. They're really I funny. I love those videos. They're great. Oh, man. So... There. I know Colin doesn't believe in the heart of the dice, but I do. I oh, sure the dice don't. Guide me. Heart of the dice. I, I, I am I am the biggest. I think of the group, I'm the person that like cares the least about D&D &D and dice and all that stuff. Like I have, a, I have a few nice sets of dice and stuff. I have a metal set that I roll for bait, but like, uh, Ray, I am nice to my dice. I just don't care about them. Those can exist at the same time. But like, yeah, so... I, I guess I deserve to be put on blast a little, but like, it's dice, man. It's all probability. You're a rocket scientist. You it is relatively, relatively probability. There are ways to make it less about probability in your favor. Like, yes, it's, it's and that's, still what, going that's to what character be, sheets do. <laughs> it's still going to be like pretty much No, no, no even 5 just like per. how you roll the dice can affect right. probability yes. because, you know, dropping the dice does to start. Old. Yeah, How well, I just it? trust that all you guys are like doing a full on huck chuck your dice and let it do its thing. Yeah, 
But then you got the ones that have like more rounded edges. Those are going to roll further. Well, yeah, you unless have... you get like, what is it, like grade A dice or whatever or properly weighted. Exactly. Like, but the That's thing the is you part. still don't know what that probability is unless you take the time to measure it for each die. I don't yeah. – right. It's, it's less about me physically measuring it on like a spreadsheet and figuring out the averages and shit and more just my brain doing it along the life of my dice i realize which ones are we better are, than others we are going so, we are so far off yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's very important to me that i i treat my favorite dice as if they are my favorite dice because then they are nice back for me it's like i feel like i have like subconscious like uh ways of like repeating things that i don't even realize i'm I'm always like trying to rank that we could also yeah, get dice fair. towers and then it's not a problem i want to get a dice tower honestly yeah. like that dice will tower does sound pretty cool in yeah. figuring out which die is actually better i'm gonna get a six foot dice tower and then i have to like stand up away from my mic for every die roll and i'm gonna have a whole series of microphones down the entire thing so you get like a 30 second clunk 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 like an old gumball machine <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You have to get yeah. one of those Plinko boards for your D20. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, Hold on, like everybody. <laughs> Give I... me two minutes to roll my die. Wait, wait. <laughs> a tabletop system where you roll your die by putting it down a Plinko board and the modifier is whatever cu- thing it lands in at the bottom. That would be ridiculous. You know what? Wow. Okay. You know what? Fuck ah. D&D. Let's just play Mousetrap. Fuck yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, so. <laughs> what else we got here? So this one is actually intended for Colin uh, from <laughs> Kale. So uh, what would have happened had the crew refused to join Captain Bubblebutt? So, th- okay. So we have already recorded the next above board. And I will say that was yes. maybe the emo- most emotionally draining DM session that I've had. But I, but I think that building the one where they penetrate the tear, the overboard two-parter, um, that was so tough to sort out because I built this whole thing around getting into the tear. And uh, spoiler alert, Pat did ask me, like, I want Locke to get kidnapped. All the details behind that, we haven't revealed all of it, but that was my mission, was do the tear thing and get Locke kidnapped. I'm like, well, one, I'm stupid because those are not, those are very conflicting ideas. Those can't happen at the same time. But then I asked the question, and looking back at how they all say I've helped them plan out their adventures just by asking, why do you do this? What's the reason for this and that? I also try to encourage everyone, like, uh, say Matt says, I want people to go on this island and I want them to find this boy. Then I will fire back, okay, what if nobody wants to find the boy? And that usually can spiral things out, but that is an important question. So uh, it was... I had to ask myself this exact question, Kale, because I planned out the whole thing with the tear, and I'm like, what if they don't want to go on the boat? I can't just put them on the boat. They won't like that. Uh, so I had Bait stay behind on the friendship while the bu- Liberty went into the tear. And honestly, if everyone had decided to stay back with Bait and Florence, they would have seen the Liberty go into the tear and just not been on the boat and not know what happened to it. Maybe and all of that was by the numbers too. Maybe the, they would have seen the Liberty sail away and then just never come back. I don't know. It could have failed. Um, but one way or the other, the Black Tide assault would have happened. So I didn't want it to go that way. I wanted the tear to be the focus because that I think was the intensity I was going for. And I don't like regular combat in D and I I can't stand DMing it. 
Um, but my fallback was, I guess I'll just beef up the Black Tide forces that are coming for Locke, and then we have a whole episode that's a Black Tide fight, which I'm not excited about. Which does so that's which does bring up the question on where were all those jacked up Black Tide viewers? What do you mean? In, at the end? Oh at yeah, the end. they the, were dead. Yeah, all the ones. Well, think about it, Chatter. All the ones that were in the facility got beefed by call and then any other ones that would be out on boats are out on boats we weren't yeah. there that long we were at that facility for maybe a few hours true true so it'll be yeah, funny for took tony care Lyons. Of the problem for sure that actually brings up a question what's gonna oh, yeah, happen tony. to tony lyons when he's like <laughs> hey i rule this place some of those ships come back like what the fuck dude what about yeah. a gabagool? Yeah, maybe maybe it didn't work out so well for Tony. But the gabagool trade has been interrupted. <laughs> man, man, some Game of Thrones shit going down. Gonna be going down with the Black Tide. Yeah, yeah. that's actually that. It, I know that we joked about an Edmund fucking the Turtle Island spinoff on CBS, but legitimately, I could see a Black Tide spinoff. That could be very fun. Yeah. Tony Lyons has no idea what he's doing at work. <laughs> Sorry to the real Tony Lyons, whose name was lent to this character. Tony Lyons has never had a real it's, it's, job it's, yeah. in his life. It's the office, but for organized crime. <laughs> uh, there's one last question written down that was actually, I think I'm actually going to point this at Matt. Um, the one. <laughs> how long did Colin laugh at the Kiso 40, stuff? 42 seconds. Of- <laughs> Are you kidding? So, a long laugh. so there was a part where, <laughs> so there was a part where, uh, there was literally just you nonstop laughing at like the Tide Pod and the Kizo stuff. All in all, it added up to forty-two seconds. Oh, oh my, my god. god! Cause yeah, Ryan made the Queso joke and just kept fucking poking the bear. I. It was funny when I when I was editing it, Matt had already edited it down a bit, so I thought it was under thirty seconds. I will say though, when the edit made it to me, and then I saw Matt's laugh that says like, "Oh my God, please stop laughing" or whatever. <laughs> I was like, "What is he talking about?" And then I played past that point, and I just laughed the entire time all over again. <laughs> like Matt primed me, and I had no idea. Incredible. Ah. Uh, uh. So, that very good. so that's all the prepped questions. Those of you in the chat, any last last things on your mind that you might want to have answered before we close this out? Shout out to Jack Black's mom. Uh, really the yeah. inspiration for all of us. Abby, Abby did share a lot of the info about uh, Judith Love Cohen, um, Jack Black's mother who worked as an aerospace engineer and then just happened to have Jack Black as a kid. Pretty crazy. So actually, Not I- only did she have Jack Black as a kid, she was like about to pop at work solving like mathematical equations and shit had to go to the hospital because she's given birth and then as soon as she gave birth or no she she finished solving the equation before she gave birth called her boss said hey idiot this is what it is hung up and then jack black was born god jack black was even a scamp before he came out of the womb crazy right insane (laughs) honestly some queen shit on her part yeah yeah she's fucking cool well so matt what were you gonna say well, I was going to ask, just as a, uh, a lot of us are mathematically inclined. Like, I know mm-hmm. Pat and Ryan, they're both engineers. I did a little Dude, y'all stuff. got so hung up on the fucking pipes. So here's here's my question. What <laughs> role do real, wor- real world, like our world physics, have in a game like D&D, a game that is not rooted in realism? at all is that too so, meta of a question to no I, I like that i like that 
Because we are... we're all DMs, so we all have our own takes. Right. The way I look at it is that real-world physics still apply, but there are ways to circumvent them, either with items or magic or something like that. So, for instance, bait falling out of a tree, gravity is going to pull him down at whatever speed. He's going to hit the ground, and he's going to be subject to some amount of damage. Like, that's what would happen in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My, my approach is apply movie or video game logic to it all because that's <laughs> that's easier to understand or i think so on, honestly anime logic go with anime logic <laughs> i nothing uh, personal kid. that that is a huge thing uh, that i just rifle against in general and it's like even the stuff that i like where it's like hey, you shoot a bad guy and they fall down and they're dead instantly. But if you shoot a good guy, they just, in the same exact way, they just scamper across the floor and they're fine if they get a Band-Aid. Yeah. So, like, I th- I think I'm with Pat where I'd rather apply the real-world physics. And luckily, there are D&Ds built on tools to resolve that stuff. But, like, when yep. Maeve tried to shrink an entire ship, I was like... No, I know you can I think, sh- you can shrink a board or two. Yeah, no, I think I think that was the right call personally. And it's not de- I didn't ask this question because I'm still salty about the octopus shit. Um, <laughs> that was so good. I think, I think oh. there there definitely is a healthy there should be a healthy balance between the two. Like it, there, there yeah. should be like some rules that I guess you're like the common world uh, should follow until you introduce magic but then once the magic actually it gets introduced or, or like however it is it should be explained in a way that is i get i guess in our case like cinematic like how chowder yeah. said like like an action scene or i guess from an anime i would <laughs> yeah no and sometimes yeah. you got to do that if i was like, dming that uh octopus but i'd have I'm totally fine with letting that happen because that's just what octopuses do. That's not like I think Matt was him. actually angry with us. Like that's I don't know it, if, no, no, that's no, not no, like no, a bad special day. special thing. <laughs> it's just what octopuses are. You know? Yeah. Well. All right. I I just wanted to you know rage about the octopus one more time and. It won't be the last. <laughs> True. It makes me think of like, uh, I was uh, uh, doing this uh, one shot with uh, Jeff Austin and Keenan where it's like they're being attacked by a sniper and uh, the subject of like height came up. I'm like, and like I'm spending a bit too much time thinking about fucking trigonometry. Like, what, how high would we have to be to be able to hit them from this? <laughs> well, that's what, the co- and, that's what the cover system is for, right? I mean, the uh, end result was basically them going, hey, hey don't worry. Like, you know, you know what? Fair enough. Yeah, he's this yeah. high. And yeah. Yeah, Matt, sometimes you like get, uh, get a little sheepish or apologetic about piping up with rules. But to be honest, it's helpful because for those of us that don't have the rules like memorized, we forget that like we get caught up in the meta of how do we want physics to apply that we forget like, oh, the tools are already there in front yeah. of us <laughs> and at the end of the um, day if you're telling a good story then fuck it all yeah i mean it did lead to cult shooting a bear bait in the in the dingle bag but you know it's <laughs> whatever whatever the druid should not be the tank okay i'm done so wait hold up but the druid is best capable of tanking because of all I that think, temporary hp they have i think we we got it <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay that, that's fair it's a fair point um, I just keep, I just get a big in- injury every story arc chowder. I can't wait to see how you're going to hurt me next. Oh, baby. <laughs> so the, uh, that's going to wrap up our question and answer session, uh, in a week for those of you that, uh, are not patrons of the show. Well, one, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have Two. 
Uh, you're going to see not Dicey Waters in your feed, but Entrenched, which is a bonus campaign set in Eberron, uh, run by Ryan. A Baron. A Baron. Uh, run by Ryan Mossbarger. It's his campaign, but we're not using D&D. We're using a more streamlined system called Quest. We are about to release our sixth episode of that, and you will get to hear the first two over the course of July. So we're going to be taking a quick break from Dicey Waters as we ramp up production on uh, Chowder's story and give you guys a treat for something uh, that we really think you'll enjoy. Entrenched is a ton of fun, and it feels very different from Dicey Waters, I think. Maybe that's just because I don't do as much work on Entrenched, but um, it's a different beast for sure. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that, but otherwise we will be back to Dicey Waters in the beginning of August where my next above board, uh, we're still figuring out if that's going to be one part or two, uh, but that will lead us into Chowder's adventure. So you'll see what happens after, uh, you're going to see what happens after um, uh, they sail away from the Black Tide hideout. You're going to uh, get a little bit of a sense of where Chowder's adventure is going. And let me fucking tell you, let me fucking tell you, it's fucking nuts. And I'm so excited. I'm excited and nervous. I'm so well. I am nervous every time I do an above board. And like I said, this next one put me through the ringer. I like spent the whole day in a funk after we recorded that. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to, uh, I Chowder, I imagine it's no matter what it is, it's going to go better than that. <laughs> but I also am going to have another little gift for the patrons early July uh, you've heard little bits of shanty music throughout Locked and Loaded, and I think there might be an assembled project in the near future. So for patrons, uh, feel free to keep an eye on that. For anybody who wishes they could participate in these kinds of chats or wants to listen to more of Entrenched or wants to see what this shanty nonsense is all about, um, feel free to join our Patreon. If you go to DicePopuli.com, there are links right there. But that said, for the patrons that joined us, thank you. For everyone that asked a question, thank you. Patrick, thank you for running a, like, real fucking sleeper hit that just, like, started so simple and blew up in a ton of fun ways. Locked and Loaded was an absolute blast. Such a fun shift in tone. Uh, you knocked it out of the park, really. I, I had... went for big action movie vibes. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it was... And- you you more than exceeded it. Let's let's yeah. be honest. And now you anyway. can rest with Fast and Furious Nine. Yeah, because you get to see that uh, tomorrow as of this recording. So <laughs> yes, sir. Happy for you. Uh, thank you also to Matt and Chowder for joining, uh, and what, thank you to what? everyone who who who's uh, who is listening. We really appreciate you being a part of this project. So go to dicepopulate.com if you want to know more about Entrenched, know uh, more about our Patreon stuff like that. Uh, if you are already part of this community dragging some other friends kicking and screaming let's bring them into some of the fun uh but we will be back in a week where you get to hear entrenched and back in a month with our good friends aboard the friend sub thank you so much <laughs> and we'll see you then ciao uh, bye bye now
Um, for the record, Abby, Abby did stand up and come stare at me. Uh, Pat's actually coming in a little quiet for me. So, Pat, I'm going to juice you up a little bit, my guy. Okay. Juicy. Uh, juicy. Just like those burps you ripped a moment earlier. So, oh. yeah. So, this is how we sync up our stuff. So, uh, are we all four of us recording? Those of us who are recording? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Kind of sad I turned up Pat's volume. That was juicy. Uh, so, essentially... What we do is... I scared my dog. <laughs> <laughs> this chronograph link, if you click on it, this is a cloud-synchronized stopwatch. We just pick a time, and I'll clap at the same time on the watch, and that's how we sync up. So if you ever heard of post-credits where we just randomly clap, that's why. Um, uh, Abby, I very much stand you staring at Pat. Now, the four of us I recording... Am- very jealous of Abby. I wish I could just yeah. stand. And Let's stare go at ahead that. and clap at when the t- chronograph hits 13 minutes. So we've got about 10 seconds. Gotcha. Give us a little nice little run up here. Let me refresh. Wait. Make so sure. you mean in roughly five, five seconds. seconds? There we go. <laughs> God. Traditions. And that yeah. is how you synchronize audio. Yeah. So the fun fact about like the whole calling out five seconds tradition that started back in the common geeking program very on our early sister days. podcast. Yeah. Very early yeah. days when uh, yep. like Keenan would always like call out like 10 seconds or five seconds and it just yeah. caught on from five, that. Five, five seconds really stuck. That's actually the he, most recent post credits in he, Dice Populi. He brings a lot of energy to that too. He, yeah. he does. Keenan Keenan's uh, energy is uh We stand. Man, we stand yeah. at Keenan. Hundo P. He was super fun to listen to him in Hayward Soiree. I loved, I forgot how chaotic yeah. <laughs> that boy is. It's especially <laughs> chaotic because in that system it's just first come first serve so it's like yeah. if you know what you're doing you can just keep fucking giving <laughs> your your character directions and then and I'm unfortunately for like, the rest of us where do i come in yeah keenan kind of always knows exactly what he wants to do at all yeah. times so <laughs> it's hard to beat that dude doesn't have to think about anything it's just, uh, he's just give me one second it. Okay. He just does. Yep. Okay. So I'm actually going to kick it off. So this is where the actual episode is about to start. Uh, 